And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to This Old Marketing, proudly brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 405, 405, just like the freeway here in Los Angeles for Friday, December 8th, 2023. And with me, as always, my friend, my colleague, and, you know, a guy who definitely would have put Florida State in the college football playoffs, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I would have. <laughs> I know you would have. As soon as I saw the headline, I knew you would have. I think this whole quality win thing is such BS. Because well, the player thing. I mean, I mean, literally, the NCAA has become FIFA, right? I mean, it's 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 so it's all about the players now, right? I mean. We should probably explain very quickly here for those who don't understand what we're talking about here or care, quite frankly. But well, you know. well the, the 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 well, they talk about the quarterback for Florida State uh, since you know that he was out the last couple weeks, and their last two wins were not quality wins, whatever that is. Sure, well, because they had a backup quarterback, they, they had a backup won. quarterback for the the second to last game. Yeah. Then he got hurt, and then a third string quarterback for the last game. And now, and just for those of you who haven't followed the news, basically what has happened is, is that the NCAA have this new, new-ish um, for the last few years playoff system. Um, and basically uh, only a small number of teams. I think it's six teams total. Four. Um, just four. It's four. Gonna, it will expand to 12. Right. It's going to expand right to 12. But now it's four teams. And, and so basically Florida State – who had an undefeated season, even with their backup quarterback and the third string quarterback who had to come in and play and basically didn't get invited to the tournament, but Alabama did, which had a very similar record and, and, and all of that is just, well, Am- so, Alabama lost. Yeah. Florida exactly. state went in, they did all the things they had to do. They yep. won their conference championship. Yeah. Alabama. Uh, and I, it's a very good team. Nothing wrong with it. Oh yeah. The right. They're all good teams. Have, yeah. So Alabama went in at the, this fourth slot instead of Florida state. The problem that I have with Alabama getting in and quality wins and whatever, if you watch the game before that Alabama played Auburn, Alabama should have never won that game. It was right. complete luck that they won that game. It was not a quality win. That was a survival technique. And I, I just don't I don't see how they could make that decision to leave Florida State out. And I I heard that the governor of the great state of Florida, Mr. DeSantis, yeah. well, was suing yeah, the NCAA. Well, what a shock, right? Ron DeSantis this. is going to sue somebody. Yeah. Which actually I think is one of his better moves. Yeah, well, I, I, if I had yeah. if you had to put like the top 10 moves of Ron DeSantis on a I think this is number three. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> what would you put as number one and number two? I can't even his know. Boots? <laughs> would you put his boots? I don't. His boots are number either. one. I don't even. Here's the problem with Mr. DeSantis. I nothing on his politics or whatever. He just doesn't have the charisma that I believe you need to be elected. No, I just I mean, it's just it just seems yeah. like whenever you hear him talk. It, yes, it's almost like he, he's he's reading a he teleprompter is, on the back of his eyelids. That is exactly right. Yeah, he is. 
He is as so I grew up in Texas and I will tell you he is all hat and no cattle. I mean he is that that is that is <laughs> <laughs> that is there's no great, doubt about that. That's a great reference. Oh, that is yeah. absolutely wonderful. So anyways, yeah, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit upset about the whole BCS. I'm glad they're expanding. They'll, then there'll be a problem with it next year, whatever. I yeah. don't know. I don't yeah. know what they're doing, but I like the other three teams that are in. I like. Uh, well, uh, speaking of speaking of 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 great wins, of course, completely flipping the script over to something that the audience might care about. Taylor Swift has has won Person of the Year from Time Magazine. Now that's and, a surprise. Yeah, that <laughs> I was totally floored. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing: who else was in the running? Well, right. I mean, who else this year could have been? I mean, I mean, right. I mean, this had to be just a runaway win uh, for her. I mean, because there's, I mean, who else would you have picked, right? Is there like a, a panda that was born at the San Diego Zoo or something? <laughs> like, I don't know what, there's been no other critical event. Uh, I guess they could have had the environment. Like sometimes they do crazy stuff. Oh, like that's, that. yeah, or, uh, yeah. Or, yeah, or, or Apple titanium. Sure. <laughs> I don't sure. know what else you 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 could well, possibly. AI, do. I guess AI could have probably been AI. 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 You could, yeah, you could have. It could have been Sam. All, the, the Open yeah. AI board could yeah. have been group <laughs> group think of the year. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you. Though I read the article. Did you read the time version of the year article? Yeah, I did. I did. It was uh, a good. I, I hated some of the pictures that they used and loved some of the pictures that they used. I hate the cover with her. Her and the cat. cat. Yeah. Just is that a real cat? Was I think it's her cat. I think that's really her cat. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really her cat. I think so. Yeah. 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 She's a cat person for sure. I didn't know if it was a real cat or a stuffed cat. (laughs) Because if there's a picture where cat wasn't moving, I didn't know. I mean, that's so terrible. Yeah. The the part of the article that I really had to think about. It was. It basically said, "How many conversations have you had this year about Taylor Swift?" Right, right. And I'm like, I probably had more conversations about with other people about Taylor Swift than any other person that wasn't in my family. Actually, probably more than people in my family. Just yeah. people asking me about Taylor Swift or or the just the earth the the earthquake in Oregon or whatever. You know, all the stuff that that she did with her tour. And then of course you had Travis Kelsey. Yes. You know, which yes. Well, she has elevated him to great stardom for sure. Which is, which is, I call Travis Kelsey's name to me. Every time I see him on screen is Travis Swift. Yeah. And Travis (laughs) Swift is when, when Taylor's not around, Travis is sad. He looks sad. He's like mopes around. He's like, He's like that. Ma-auto. Well, he's definitely like got resting auto. Yeah, he's, he's the def- auto version of that. Yeah, he's got he's got resting mope face. That's for sure. There's there's, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Resting yeah. mope face. Yeah, he definitely does. And so does his brother, by the way. They they both have resting mope face, but um, but both of them are very highly entertaining. Their podcast is highly entertaining anyway. But but yeah, I you know I mean you talk about a marketer who truly has revolutionized the way that music, entertainment, live shows, filmed, I mean, just a true entertainment multimedia brand. I mean, she has, I mean, it's, 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 it's just astounding what she's been able to do 
this year. I mean, not not just this year, but certainly this year being sort of the 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 pinnacle of of, of all of that. But just you know, for the last ten years, she's been a juggernaut when it comes to the kind of marketing strategy. And and clearly, I mean, she's got amazing people around her who are <clears throat> helping her through this. But from the movie, you know, from the way that she did the distribution of the movie, from the way that she did her ticket sales, um, her live shows, the way that she funded the whole thing, marketed the whole thing. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a business and enterprise business case study, full stop. What was really good about just from a, also a marketing standpoint, and we talked a little bit about it, but that her, I, it's probably her, but her father funded the entire concert movie. Mm-hmm. 25 or 30 million dollars whatever they spent on doing the whole thing so they could retain all the rights and then do right. whatever they wanted with it now i know a lot of people can't do that but totally smart move right they just didn't give it up to a, a regular production shop and say okay let's do the hollywood thing like you would normally do it owned media uh, they, they're making so much money off of that it's not even funny owned media i mean she is an owned media sort of poster child, right? I mean, you talk about from the re-recording of her albums so that she would own all of the media, right? And so, and then, you know, from doing the movie in an owned media fashion, she's leveraging distribution where she needs to leverage distribution and paying for that distribution as a good marketer would, but she owns the content. She owns the audience. She owns the, and it's just, it's, it's, it's spectacular. I think, I think you're seeing it in everything. Um, whatever it was a couple months ago, I went to that uh, author event called 20 books, which is now called author nation. And the feeling through, through all these really amazing fiction authors was they were all trying to take their, the control back of their business model. Mm -hmm. They were saying, we didn't want to give it all to Amazon or all through distribution. We want to figure out a business process so we have direct connection with our audience and we can leverage that as part of our business model. And I think what's happening with Taylor is sort of part of this whole thing. It's like you have a lot of creators out there now asking themselves these really smart questions about, I don't just want to sell a million copies of my book, or I just, I don't want to have a quick blip of revenue. I want to figure out a long-term business model that's going to work. Same thing for content marketing, right? I yep. Long-term, I want to make sure that this works for us. We see ROI, and it has to do with that direct connection with the audience and not leveraging everything into these other platforms like your TikTok, like your YouTube and Google. And I know we've been talking about it forever and people have been insinuating that they're down with it. But I think now you're finally seeing that <laughs> tide turn, right? Well, yeah, Seems like it. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. And that applies, by the way, to B2B and B2C, you know, because in so many ways, and this is I actually, this is my topic for my column next week uh, that I'm writing, which is, you know, if you need sort of the 2024 business case for why content marketing is such an important piece of this, it is about the relationship that you have with your wider audience, not just your, you know, leads and opportunities and people that are in your pipeline, but literally the wider audience in general, because in a world of AI, in a world democratized content, in a world where everything is exponentially even you know more than we could ever imagine more noisy than it's ever been because of the automation and and creation of content authors and originators and artists and creators the the in in many ways the storyteller becomes more important than the story 
And and so the source of information, the source of entertainment, the source is going to become really, really important. And so if you don't have a relationship as a source, as a storyteller, as a content creator with your audience, then then your content might as well be just automated mm -hmm. and commoditized. So it's, it's, oh, it's an incredibly important marketing strategy. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great point. And that's exactly why we warned last week about what Sports Illustrated did with their yeah, exactly. making well, exactly. up their whatever their AI uh, bot driven author and they're sort of caught on it. Uh, yeah. Whether they knew they were going to or not. I mean, that really, I, how many people are going to say, I don't know if I want to trust this now because of, I, I don't know who this person is telling the, the start that, I mean, how many, how many of the media companies we talked about over the past 12 months have gone out of business or their business models are hurting, but at the same time, the new media companies are these brands or creators that are, that are taking control because they can, they don't, right. you don't have to go through a media outlet, but it could be like a, our first episode from 2000. 13. Yeah. By the way, we right. just we just celebrated. Did we talk about that? We just celebrated we, the 10 year anniversary. Just 10 years. Happened. 10 years. Yeah. That we was don't November, look any November, different. I think our first episode was November 30th. Is that it right? Was, it's very close. We're very, in the yeah. we're in the timetable. I don't yeah. really track the months and the years like normal people do anymore. Because, yeah. Because <laughs> once you I think once you get to be honest. <laughs> You, once you, you get past stop. that, once you get past that 25 year anniversary, then it doesn't really just matter anymore. And I so don't we're, even you know, remember how I got here. <laughs> we're that's 400. We're 400 shows into this. It's like, we're, you know, we're, it's, I mean, we're 405 hours into this nonsense. Do you ever think about why you took the phone call from me? And we had the conversation that led to this podcast. Because I was bored and I was driving. I mean, you know, <laughs> so was I. We were both bored. Yeah. We're like, ah. I don't know where I was. I was probably yeah. driving. It's like, oh, Texas this will kill the time like for that. another hour while I'm driving through the desert oh, of Palm Springs. God, yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> I know. I think we haven't changed at all. I think I actually have more hair. I think your hair is still long and flowy. I have more gray. It's way. I have way gray more gray. Yeah, I have. Gray I have way more gray now. Yeah. There, that. There's no doubt about that. I see pictures of myself now, and I'm like, ooh, I really need to update my headshots because I definitely am. I'm, I'm, I mean, if it's possible, I'm more white than I am <laughs> than I was. David, ten years ago. <laughs> you need, just, yeah, I'm you need an AI you know. filter. You yeah. need, yeah, yeah, you need to, need to yeah, you need. It's called the Miami filter. That's right. <laughs> it takes you, makes you look real tan. And, and you know, yeah, at least I don't put lifts. I don't put lifts in my boots. That's that's all I know is is that I don't put lifts in my boots. I've never done that. Although my dad did for his wedding. My dad's five two, and my mom is five four. He put lifts in his shoes, though. He, he didn't put lifts, lifts in his boots. shoes. Yeah, so that's that that's different. Same height. That's different. If just and, and if you don't know what we're talking about here, just Google Ron DeSantis's boots, and you'll you'll see what I mean. It's it's yes. it's all hat and no cattle. All right, should all right. we get to our show Let's here? Should we actually? Sure, why talk not? About I thought we were yeah. into the show, but go ahead. Yeah, there we go. Well, we got a wonderful show here. We've got a few stories to talk about. Um, Google. 
launched their big Gemini project, and we'll talk a little bit about that and maybe pair it up with some things that we've seen in the broader MarTech world over the course of 2023. Uh, then we'll talk about purpose and brand marketing and how there was a backlash this year, or is there a backlash? Uh, and we'll talk about Spotify, Spotify sort of hiding under the covers here and laying off 1,500 people. We'll talk about what might be the implications there. And then we'll talk about the NCAA, which we talked a little bit about just a second ago, and how they are now maybe turning the tables and saying, yeah, maybe it's okay for college football players to be paid directly by colleges. Uh, then we'll get to our rants and raves section, of course, where uh, I will talk a little bit about the forecast from Group M and Zenith and all the media agencies out there about the growth of paid advertising spending and what I think the implications are there. And Joe, Joe's going to talk about TikTok shopping because he's a big TikTok shopper. Because I, yeah, I'm all over the TikTok. You're shopping. all over the TikTok. Not having a TikTok account. I'm all. I over. have shopped on TikTok, and I will. I will. Oh, good. Because I'm going to hear then, your take. Then we'll save it because yeah, yeah I. I I live through other people on this stuff because I That's don't right. have the. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a pretty heavy TikTok user. I'm I'm not a creator yet. I've created the content, but I just haven't posted it yet. So, ooh, I know all of those who are out that's, there waiting. Yeah. You're not going to build an audience on TikTok if you don't publish. You do that's a right. that's pretty much that's the best practice. There's your right. tweetable hard moment, for folks. It's yeah, hard to get the followers if there's it's, no. It's hard to get the followers. Hard to drink the water without turning the hose on. That's you know, kind of. <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> thanks for that that's that's probably <laughs> that is so good that is so good you're like thanks dad yeah thanks dad right. i i well by the way i particularly liked your your uh your your little subtle passive aggressive dig at the predictions column <laughs> that that you and i and so many <laughs> so many participated in for content marketing institute where you're like 70 predictions and only one of them was about print and that was me <laughs> well give me a break half the predictions were ai uh, of like, course they are of course they are what well, did you, what else would you expect i mean come up with something <laughs> no i mean all my friends you know they're all they've got some great predictions by the way yeah. but i was like I'd come up with something different like be bold and i basically went out there and said the next big thing is going to be print. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because enough why about, not? Because enough about me. Because, well, because when the zombie apocalypse really happens, <laughs> print's going to be extremely important. Uh, print. Here we go. There we yeah. go. You heard it first. You heard it first here, I, folks. I didn't think I was. Was it a little passive aggressive? No, it was. It was. Uh, I'm. I'm totally joking. But it. But. But. But it <laughs> your LinkedIn post. It totally because I know you so well. Your LinkedIn post totally made me giggle. Right where you're like, you know, everybody said this, and I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess now um, that. Of, yeah, now that I read that, I'm, I'm doing of the 67 predictions, not one was about print. <laughs> That's well, right. Uh, uh, Except uh. for me. Except for me and my <laughs> brilliancy. All right, let's get to our first story here, which is, of course, about our friends at Google. Uh, we will link to an article here from uh, Media Post, actually, um, and uh, it, it is about. And th there are a number of. Uh, it was. It wasn't actually as big a announcement. Um, as you know, I always sort of grade news on whether it finds me or not, and it, this did not find me. I, I actually was looking for stories for this week, and this is one of the ones that it was, that the, it was up. the the premier or the top story in 
and morning brew. Yeah, it was. It was for it one was, of yeah, the days. It was, yeah. You think it was sort of a yawner? I, well, let's well let's let's find okay. out here, shall we? So basically, um, the Google Gemini has launched, and the article from Media Post opens up by saying, "Google Gemini launched on Wednesday uh, in a long-awaited debut of the company's most powerful artificial intelligence large language model. It is a multimodal and capable of reasoning across text, images, audio, video, and code. Maybe the most boring lead I've written or read all year. Um, anyway, the company said it has uh, started to experiment with Gemini in." search where it is making Google search generative experience, the SGE, for those of you keeping up with the acronyms, faster for users with a 40% reduction in latency in English. Man, this just reads like a brochure. Um, it will also become available in services like Search, Ads, Chrome, and Duet AI. The technology works based on state-of-the-art performance. Uh, beginning, Man, this is just a press release, so I'm just going to stop reading. But basically, Gemini, the underlying technology for uh, what uh, Google is doing on search AI, as well as its duet when you go into the Google office, um, has launched. And I've started to notice it because I'm heavily using Google search, obviously. And I can, and I've, you know, I signed up so that basically at the top of search results uh, are showing the sort of AI generated results, which I'm still, to be honest, like not that impressed with um but i don't know what do, do, do you have a take on this on this on this launch of this new this new ai did you from, watch the from little Google? video the little i did i did watch yeah i did watch the blue, it the blue duck uh, <clears throat> yeah it, yes um so my take on it is that google will probably be a key player in making this work outside of the fact that they have billions and billions of dollars but the fact is is they generally when they're second or third to market, they figure out a way to become the market leader. And they did so in search. Google was not the first search engine. Of course. Uh, they uh, Nor was it the search, nor was it the first paid advertising search. That's right. They acquired their way into that business. They yeah. acquired, they did, so they do, a, they do a, historically, they've done a very good job watching things happen and then saying, okay, let's take the best of all these things and move forward. What's interesting to me is that Google suite, if you will, of you know audio and textual and video AI generative services will be in one suite. They'll all be coming from the same place versus uh, ChatGPT, where right. you have ChatGPT text is over here and and video or uh, yep. picture Dolly three is over here. So I think that seems like an opportunity for them to move forward and it, whatever they talk about how the the learning LLM that, that this whole thing was created for was 90% faster, whatever the PR words. They used very fancy PR words to say that their LLM is is one of the best around. I, I would imagine that Google's going to do very well, and I think that Google has to do well with this because of the fact that you and I have talked about at length, their search these days sucks. Yeah. That's right. And and anyone that's just <clears throat> they've got to make moves here quickly, yeah. Yeah, it's I was talking to somebody the other day about being in the board in the, in like the Google boardroom over the past 6 months. And for the first time, you've got to think that Google executives are sweating saying maybe we're we're going to be in trouble with this one. Maybe our cash cow of search and owning that market is going away. Because as much as you want to say that, oh, ChatGPT is wrong or it's it, the, the LLM 
is not pulling all the correct information. You and I both know lots of people that use ChatGPT alone for their search. And more and more of that yeah. seems to be happening, which seems weird to me. But then if you go over and you do a search on Google, I was I, this morning, for whatever reason, I was doing a search on print content marketing. <laughs> and I'm really? like, okay. And I'm, and I'm and not, not saying that, that the article <laughs> that I wrote for CMI wasn't a good one back in 2012. Right. But are you kidding me that that's the. That's the number that's one result. Search. Yeah. That's the search that you're going to, that's it from, yeah. from 11 years ago, that article. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be something better than what they're doing. And, um, and yeah. so, it's, so, so they've got to move. We'll see. What, what do yeah. you think about this? Over? Well, I, you know, it, when I, when I think, so first of all, I think it's interesting to me that they are positioning this as a fundamental technology that will underpin all the other things right so they're you know so they basically you know the duet you know so this is more of a, a platform technology than it is sort of a you know a user focused thing right so it's in other words it's a technology that powers google search it's a technology that powers duet it's a technology that powers um the other you know audio and and, and image creation and, and all those kinds of things that google will productize in a different way so yeah I think they learned there because you can see one of the challenges, you know, because right now in ChatGPT4, you can have, you know, you can ask it to make images for you, right? You can ask it to make images for you. And if you, if you have a paid account, I believe is the, is the way that you have to do this. But if you have a paid account, you can ask and it uses Dolly to, to create those, those images, that technology. So they've, they've slowly started to, and I think that's a lesson to your point about them being sort of second uh, to market here is that they're, you know, it was funny because I, I asked this question. In fact, I, it was the first time I asked this question was when I was on um, uh, Paul Reitzer's uh, event. And this was early on. This was early on this year, um, like in the spring of this year. And, and one of my questions was, I wonder if ultimately this isn't, you know, something that a company or a person will buy point solutions for. In other words, a company won't buy a generative AI tool for their marketing team and an analytics AI for their analytics team and a predictive analytics, you know, for their supply chain team and, you know, all that. Mm -hmm. In other words, if, is it going to just be a, an operating system that we purchase? And then ultimately there are applications built on top of it. To me, that's what Microsoft is trying to do here. That's what Microsoft is really uh, all about, is trying to build in a new type of operating system that we would call AI. And this is, seems to me what Google is doing as well, which is an interesting challenge because it is, it is, it is harder to market to consumers that way, right? In other words, if I go ask my wife, for example, about Gemini and Google and, and, and all their AI stuff, she's like, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know. But if I ask her about ChatGPT, she's like, oh yeah, I got the app. I got yep. the, I, I go on their website. I, I, I know how to use it. It's all, you know, so it's a very interesting idea to see what will win the day, right? So it may be that we start to see Microsoft and or Google sort of start to win the B2B idea here of operating system as platform, um, uh, you know, AI, and then we may see, you know, sort of open AI win the consumer game, right? When the, cons you know, when the consumer sort of, um, this is how consumers utilize AI. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, well, yeah, I don't think Google will look at, 
open AI's got a lot of momentum and they've got a lot of money behind them. Right. And whatever's going on with their sci-fi stuff lately, I have no idea. But Google's not going to let uh, let that happen. They're going to take the hundred plus billion in excess cash and figure out how to win consumer search, consumer findability. Well, they have to do that, right? Yeah, they have they have to do that. But that be- it's an, it, it it's a, it brings up a fascinating question though, which is. Am I going to, am I always, in other words, do you bring the baggage along with you? You know what I mean? In other words, Google search will always have some level of baggage to it, brand baggage to it, that it's not shiny and new, like, you know, like chat GPT. And so if you use Google and it's the same, relatively the same experience, but it's branded Google search, but now it's AI, quote unquote, driven. Do people care? And this is, I think, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but, but do people care? Uh, in other words, if it's the same, let's, let's assume it's the same exact you know, kind of learning model, the sure. same exact sort of technology. Because I'm doing it through Google search and I'm already having a bad experience with Google search, am I going to... I'm going to trust the results less. Am I going to not like the experience as much because it comes with that brand baggage or because it's shiny and new and coming from, you know, open AI and because it's, you know, special, it's the same experience, but just because it's shiny and new and doesn't have that brand baggage to it. Well, I think that I have a better experience. It's, I think, I don't think it has, I don't think it has a negative brand baggage to, to do anything of the sort. I think it'll be fine if they just, you, if they integrate into AI and their results are better, whatever. It's like uh, uh, Ford Mustang had a few years where that Mustang was a stinker, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the, but well, the Mustang right. brand continued on and they went through it and say, oh, hey, the 1992 was was amazing, thankfully, because the 87 sucked, what, whatever, right? I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I, I, you may be People right. People just want you may good results, right? right? We. We you use Yelp until Yelp doesn't work for you anymore. Then you'll go to Well, right, but that's the thing, right? You use Yelp till Yelp doesn't work for you anymore, but then you don't come back to Yelp, even if they have some shiny new thing. You right? think people it's, I don't know. I guess uh in some cases they aren't they maybe they won't get a chance to get it back for those yeah, few people. It, I don't know what the I would love to know what the percentage is of people that have just gone to the chat GPT for whatever the version is full time for their search, which seems just strange to me. Yeah. Because you're not, you can't, you can't, like a lot of, I think a lot of searches are news generated. And because it's not up to the minute, you can't, you can't use yeah. that. Well, th- there's that too, yeah. right? But it will be. Yeah. It there's, will be. There's all of that as, as well. Well, Google apparently is, right? So Google apparently is in real time or as much as real time as you can, possibly can be. Yeah, or you yeah. can get really old search results that are ten years. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean Google AI. I mean, maybe that's I mean Google AI. Google, Not give me. I, <laughs> yeah how 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 did the how did the Cleveland Browns do in the nineteen sixty four NFL right. championship? And oh, by the way, by boring. the way, how how entitled are we now as consumers? Where you know the, <laughs> that we're like, oh, Google search. It's 20 years old. God, that's an antique. What are you kidding me? That's, you know, it's like, I mean, we should still marvel at the fact that there are 
trillions of documents out on the web that are being searched <laughs> every single day right. and that we're being brought those results in microseconds. I mean, it's just that technology is already just mind blowing, but then we're already like, ah, we're on to the, you know, we're, we're just so entitled as consumers these days. It's I'm reading um, Lee Child, Lee and Andrew Child's new book called The Secret. It's the whole, that's the new Jack Reacher book. Sure. It's oh, said wow, in 1992. Yeah. Okay. And when they're investigating a case, they're using fax and phone for everything. And you yeah. forget pre-internet how That's we right. had to do things. Like how could we ever, like I was talking to a younger person recently where, where uh, she said that she would be scared to leave her house without the phone. Yeah. And we were talking, there was a group of us uh, Gen Xers there that were talking about, oh, well, well, we used to tell our parents where we were going we would go there yeah. and do whatever else we were going to do. And we'd be back by whenever we said we were going to be back. That's Six, right. Seven, and then they had no idea what we did in that 12 hour period. We That's just, right. We were just gone. And then she's like, oh, really? Like you couldn't be tracked. And it's like, yes, it was amazing. Yeah. Actually, well, I will tell you this. So, so every single person that I know of in 1990s in their car was a thick book. It was, two inches thick and it was a spiral round book and it was a it was a must you had to buy it It was called the thomas guide and the thomas guide was a you know literally a 200 300 page book which was a map of la and everybody had one because you had to have one you had it was the how only way that going? how do you know okay. where you're going and what the alternative routes are and how do you get around and it's you know everybody had that book in their car yeah anyway it's yeah it's it's uh <laughs> i feel like we're we're old that we just, we just, we're just telling <laughs> we're people. Yeah. How, yeah. How does Robert Rose say he's old without saying he's old? Well, right. he brings up the this, Thomas guide. I had this book, <laughs> Thomas guide, and it had exceptionally long pages of information. I like your impression of me. I don't have an impression of me. I have no information. On. On. Um, I don't know how to do your, your old, uh, old man, Robert. Yeah, all right. I'm, all right. Rose. I'm old. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Well, I tell you what. Why don't we pay some bills here? Why don't we? Why don't we pay a couple of bills here before let's we pay. move along? Let's let's see what happens here. Hey, did you know that HubSpot just launched an AI chatbot that helps you build awesome campaigns at scale with just a few prompts? Yeah, it's called Campaign Assistant, and it's a totally free-to-use AI tool that will transform the way you build marketing campaigns at scale. And the best part? Well, the best part is it works seamlessly with all of HubSpot's marketing and sales tools to scale your output across email, social, and more. So AI your way to the most effective campaigns yet at HubSpot.com slash campaign assistant. Can I tell you about a great podcast? It's called Inclusion and Marketing, and it's hosted by Sonia Thompson and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Inclusion and Marketing digs into important topics like belonging, customer experience, diversity, and how you can practice inclusive marketing authentically. One of the more awesome recent episodes featured a cool exploration into the meaning of belonging, all related to Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour. Yeah, it was really interesting. So go find it and follow it. You'll find the Inclusion and in Marketing Podcast wherever you follow your favorite pods. 
like how you held that note there at the end. Yeah, it was well done. You should, you you could read like bedtime stories. It's very when you want to, you have a very soothing voice. Well, thank you. Ever, you. Ever think yes. about doing that? I, you know, I have been told. I have been told uh, that I do have. <laughs> well, I've been told many times that I have a face for radio, but but um, uh, I have uh, I have been told that my voice actually is nice to listen to. So I'm 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 always very appreciative of that. But no, I have not. I mean, other than narrating the books that you and I have written together, I've not I've not done anything like that. I I wonder if our you know when you check and see how long somebody's been listening to a podcast. I wonder if our numbers are better because people fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally. I mean, when somebody really needs a good night's sleep, they're like, "We oh, could do a special God. episode where we, where, we, where we do like an ASMR thing, right? Where we just like scratch the microphone and talk very low and in a very deep voice and those just say those those you know you're, you're sitting on a beach. I didn't even know ASMR was a thing, and then waves everywhere across now. you. Maybe the that's a special twinkling. We we could do a special <laughs> special episode of <laughs> a special ASMR episode. Hey, this is this is Robert Rose, and I'm doing ASMR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your impressions of me today are just spot on. I just—it's so good. It's so good. I, tell you, I don't do. I only do. The only one I do is Elmo, and I'm not doing it on the show. It's the only impression I do. I got well, Elmo. I got yep. nothing else. I think you should do Elmo next episode because we're going to do I'll a couple do. of special episodes here when we get into the holidays. But do you um, think yeah. that people? How long could people listening? listen with me doing elmo the entire time you I, you do sean connery and i'll do elmo i have to work and it will sean be the connery. least yeah, it, it, important it, it, thing it, that yeah, ever it, happens yeah it, it, it takes me a bit to work into sean connery but um but yeah uh, we could we could we could definitely do that we should definitely do that said nobody ever ever right okay what do we all right let's move on to our next story here which uh comes to us courtesy of marketing dive uh and it is about a brand backlash it says our 2023's Ooh. epic marketing fails part of a bigger problem Controversies impacting Bud Light and Target have sent a chilling effect across the industry, but purpose may be more important than ever, says the author of this article. Opens up by saying, purpose-driven marketing came under fire in 2023 with controversies roiling. High-profile brands roiling, I say. Profile brands for months on end. The outcry, which extended beyond the online kerfuffles, roiling kerfuffles? and kerfuffles. <laughs> <laughs> kerfuffles yeah. and roiling. Yeah, this might be AI generated. Yeah, to actually dent sales and revenue has sent a chilling effect across an industry already contending with economic constraints. While the case for purpose remains strong, with plenty of research touting the potential benefits to the bottom line, these false steps may be symptoms of a larger underlying problem related to weak brand building. CMOs under growing pressure to tie their work to short-term results have spun too far forward. Uh, performance media says experts making their brands positioning less defined and resilient against misfires. Boy, do I disagree with that. And we'll talk about that in a second. At the same time, advertisers and agencies alike are contending with the existential threat posed by the rise of general artificial intelligence, which could make the lack of distinct brand identities more of a liability. Marketers have spent much of 23 wondering whether their jobs are imperiled by automation, but purpose carries a degree of complexity and nuance that could still require the human touch to pull off. Goes on the article then to to basically talk about the perfect 
perfect storms of AI and technology and performance-based marketing and how that has truly affected this whole idea of purpose-driven, topic-based uh, marketing. But anyway, what do you what do you what do you think about all this? Are are, are they right? Uh, is this the right challenge that that we're seeing marketers face right now? I think I'm I'm a little torn to be honest because when there's a CMO that starts talking about purpose-driven marketing historically. And I love it. You know, I love what the, the, the importance of certain issues and getting behind them and standing for something. I love when brands do that. But what I found is that they only do it when their financials are in order. When there is a brand out there who is struggling financially, the purposes go to hell, to be honest. That's what you generally see. And that's my concern with the whole purpose-driven marketing. I know you and I both know a lot of wonderful thought leaders, authors, writers that have taken the purpose-driven marketing path. And we've talked about it a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember P&G back in the day, Pritchard and the whole thing. Um, but when times get tough, out the window they go. Forget that purpose. So when you when you generally see all the great case studies around purpose-driven marketing, it's with somebody that's doing really, really well, performing great. When they're not performing well, forget it. And that's why normally when I look at it, I, I don't even give it two thoughts uh, about the, the, the purpose-driven brands for 2024, because those are the brands that are doing really, really well profit profitably. And they're doing all their other marketing really well, so they have the time to focus on this. I know that's a very cynical way to look at it, but that's that's the problem that I have with it. Yeah, I, well, I, I think you're I think you're right on the symptoms, right? I think you're right on the symptoms, but I think the disease is is simply that it it, it, it comes down to the from a business strategy perspective. You know, like if we pull it all the way up into the C suite. Um, and we say, what is the business strategy problem here or the disease here? It's that many brands see perp this, these purpose-driven campaigns or purpose-driven marketing as a means of making noise rather than something than actually explaining what they really believe in. And um, and so I think that that gets down to what you just talked about, right? Which is that they see it as a tactic of it can be afforded during good times, but not yes. afforded during bad times because it's a it's a it's a higher risk, perf, uh, uh, performative type of and of, a more of, longer of term, and and yeah, and it's and it's instead of a longer term strategy, right? Yeah, and so the successes that we see here are where brands earn their way in over time and truly believe what it is they're talking about, and I don't mean the people in the marketing teams. I mean, the brand, everybody in the business, all the way up to the CEO stands behind whatever it is that the brand is saying in that particular moment. You know, this is why you could have Ben and Jerry's take such, you know, to some, to some people controversial, to some people not so controversial takes and everything it's imbued in everything they do. Yeah. Right. It's how REI can do this. It's how Nike can do this. It's Patagonia how Patagonia is another one. Patagonia. It's all of these these companies that we go. Well, yeah, of course that that's what they do because it's imbued into what they truly believe. The reason that you see someone like a Bud Light get in trouble here is not because of the position they took. It's because that 
they didn't really believe it. Right. In other words, when 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 the immediate reaction and we talked about this on the show before, right, when the immediate reaction from the executives is, oh, we're sorry, we didn't mean to offend anybody. It's like, no, you've already come out in a defensive position. You should have if you're already sorry that you didn't mean to offend anybody. Well, then you should have not taken the position in the first place. Yeah. And so what you've done ostensibly, and I've, t- I've talked about this before, is it the interesting thing about where Bud Light is right now isn't that they made a cohort mad and isn't that they made another cohort mad. In other words, another you know one of their marketing segmentations was really mad at them for backtracking, and another one of their marketing segmentations was really mad that they took the place in the first place. the The biggest thing is is that the middle, the big messy middle of who would normally buy the product, went. I don't care, and that's the worst of all. Right? Is when you get when you get to a point where your purpose driven marketing isn't making people mad or happy or overjoyed a small group it's when the larger group that you're trying to get to buy your product goes i i, I don't I, I i just don't care i don't care about what who who they are as a brand you've now made me not care that's the worst of all possible outcomes and so that's when you get sort of i'm not buying your brand from as bud light i'm not buying your brand because you know you're you know you stand up for you know lgbtq rights and and then the lgbtq community uh, community is mad because you backtracked against it and you're you know you're throwing your major influencer under the yep. bus now everybody else doesn't buy because it's like i, I don't want to be part of it i don't care i don't i don't i don't care to be part of it so i'll just go buy something else and I think that's it's the, the yeah it's the same thing with content marketing right it's the right. campaign mentality versus this is taking our brand mission and executing it throughout everything we do that's right that's right. And, and, you know, so the article gets to this point of saying, you know, the, the idea of short-term results, I don't disagree by the way that CMO, we talked about this when I actually agreed with our, you know, well, I'm not sure he's a friend, but, but, but certainly there, we, yeah, he would, somebody who would not call us a friend necessarily, he doesn't even know us, but um, anyway, Mark Ritson, he, he had this point that I talked about in my raves, rants and raves a um, couple of weeks ago that, there is the short-term performance marketing idea and that, that many U.S. companies have gotten wrapped around the axle of that and, and basically limited their creative process and brand building exercises because they're so wrapped around the axle of performance-based marketing. But I don't think that has anything to do with, with regard to, and in fact, maybe just to your point, the opposite of what's going on here with regard to purpose-driven marketing, which is in many ways is about trying to capture that performance-based, you know, that very performance-based, let's let's make something that'll go viral kind of idea. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really, ooh, let's let's stir the pot a little bit. You know, let's, let's do something controversial or provocative that really stirs the pot and gets yeah. people to watch and talk about it and share. And, and that's usually the beginning of a conversation that's going to get you into trouble if you're talking about something, you know, it, we ought, we so often will see some of these big missteps and go, how the hell can that happen? Like who, who in that boardroom, like approved that, right. You know, that said, you know, that, yes, that's the way we want to go. And when you start to realize how pressure filled the idea is that, you know, the, that, that we want to do this, it, then you start going, yeah, I can see how that decision was made. It's wrong and it's awful that it got made that way, yeah. but that's the way that we, that's the way we lose our, you know, that, that we, and it has nothing to do with AI. It has nothing to do with AI and sort of 
the human touch because if if anything i think ai will probably exacerbate this problem i think it's uh when it when purpose driven marketing feels more like newsjacking that's where we have a problem yes and that's, great that's why i've never great been point. i've never liked the whole idea of newsjacking and i know it's worked for a lot of people so my apologies to those that it's worked for but it's like oh what's going on and how can we insert our message inside or our brand inside what's going on out there. And I think that's a lot of what happened with Bud Light. They tried yes. to, they, they tried to catch a wave. Yes. And they didn't, they, they went the other way on them. That's right. Well, and, and, and I, I mean, I wrote about this uh, a few months ago about news jacking and, and it's, and, and, and the, the problem is, is that just exactly to your point, that's what people, a lot of people think newsjacking is, is like inserting our brand into some, you know, controversial topic so that we can ride that wave. When, when newsjacking is done really well, it's about how do we use the news to actually drive something that we're already doing or that we already believe mm -hmm. in, right? You know, so that's when it really works. It's like, if you can tie the news into something that you've already established for yourself or that you've already done or that you're already doing, now it, now it really works. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, the, the famous example of that is when uh, the Australian insurance company, um, when Obama was going to go visit Australia for the first time, the Australian insurance company wrote a big press release how they gave him an insurance policy against crocodiles and, you know, and, you know, that, and sort of all those kinds of things. And it made the news, right? That So it was imbuing something that was already part of their sort of interesting and brand into something that was newsworthy and that's where newsjacking can work that this does not obviously did not not in bubble bud light's case they're no. still reeling i think they're, they're i think it's still dropping the cmo yeah the cmo dropping. quit yeah the cmo just uh, uh did uh, just uh yeah the left cmo the company, quit yeah, yeah. The, yeah. He, yeah. he quit <laughs> right yeah. right yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a quitting yeah. that was happening, not a That's firing. Right. <laughs> exactly. <It was laughs> one of those mutually, mutually it's agreed like, upon yeah. things. Yes. Hey, uh, let, me, let me tell you what's going to happen here. The CEO, <laughs> right. CEO walks in. It's like, uh, you're, you're going to quit. Yeah. Exactly. You are going to yeah. resign. That's right. Right that now. Is, that's yeah. right. All right. Let's get to our next story here really quickly here so we can move through these quickly. Well, speaking of quitting and speaking of you're going to quit. Well, uh, yeah, it looks like Spotify just said that to 1,500 people. Uh, the headline here from Morning Brew says Spotify lays off one in six employees. Uh, the platform is transitioning from a growth mindset to a profitability push. Yeah, that's what the kids call it these days. Anyway, the article opens up by saying, days after virtually placing you in a random college town based on your listening habits, Spotify struck a somber note by saying it will let go 1,500 employees. CEO Daniel Eck uh, announced yesterday that the company is cutting 17% of its workforce in order to hit financial targets. And basically, Eck cited the need to right-size costs uh, meet an economic slowdown. So the article goes on. What do you think? Um, I, I think that every one of these companies are using the right, you know, we talk about right sizing all the time. We're like with New York times, how oh, the New York times right size. And the, the, well, there's another one, Google right size. Spotify is now right sizing, uh, because of, um, uh, they, they hired too many people at one time. I think what's in more than anything else, what we, at least what I see happening is <clears throat> that you have two key platforms out there, TikTok and YouTube that are key competitors to Spotify, whether Spotify wants to say they are or whether you believe they are, doesn't matter. 
those two other two channels don't pay anything for the most part for their content. Spotify went on the other side, more of the premium. They're they 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 bought Gimlet. They're going to create these amazing right. shows that are going to win Pulitzer prizes and all this kind of stuff. Well, that's gone. So they're trying to figure out that. Oh, okay. Well, how can we survive mostly? And they do already off the, a lot of this free content. Uh, they want to go that direction. It's just hard to be the you know the net the Netflix in that category when your competition uh, doesn't have to do that, especially yeah. especially TikTok. So yeah, and I love Spotify by the way. I'm not a big user of it. You are more than I am. I I think that they're going to be a player for a long long period of time. But I think that they got it wrong uh, or didn't see the the other train coming down the track. Uh, when it comes to, wow, you, you don't have to spend money on content acquisition anymore. So they're trying to say, oh, take that out of the budget. And yeah. with that goes 1,500 people. Yeah. Well, I think just to your point, I, you know, to me, this is, this was always coming, right? This was this. And I think, that, honestly, I have to think that the reason that they're doing this now is because it's the holiday. It's, you know, people, it's, it, it is likely to not be, you know, it, if this if they had done this earlier in the year, it would have been a much bigger news story. Um, yeah, and I think this was all you know with the number of acquisitions. You know, the the article brings up the fact that it was part of a hiring spree during the pandemic. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think it's more to your point about the acquisitions. They've made a lot of acquisitions over the last couple of years, and those acquisitions, you know, usually take time to merge. You know, we're seeing a very similar thing right now happen with VMware, right? VMware and Broadcom. VMware and Broadcom, that merger has been around for a long time. I mean, but, but literally in the last two months is when the transaction finally happened. And now we're, yeah. yeah, and then we're starting to see the layoffs because of the double, you know, basically them being able to say, hey, listen, where do we doubled up? Where do we not have, you know, where we have surplus people and all those kinds of things. And with their acquisitions of all these different products, including Gimlet Media, you know, you're starting to see them say, you know, there's a lot of, we just have too many. I mean, that's the whole point of an acquisition is that you're you're making more efficient the businesses that you're you know that you're putting together. And so this was always going to happen. And it looks like and and I think Daniel Eck is a is a is a very thoughtful manager when it comes to these things. I think they're basically saying, let's do this once. Let's you know let's let's do this riff once and let's not you know that so let's make it deep and cut you know the cuts deep. And move into twenty four and really try to you know try to move this thing to a, a a smarter business. It's it's just interesting to me that there's not a heck of a lot left of Gimlet Media. Yeah, that was a huge deal. Yeah, it was a huge deal. And yeah, uh, and I'm sure. I, think, I mean, the talent's still a lot of the talent's still there. Some of the shows are still there, but but that model seems to be going by the wayside. You're not going to see these big podcasts did you, be bought did, up because of the content itself. Mentality. Did you listen to uh, Kai Rizdal's show? No, um, where he had the the podcasting. He, it was a, he did a whole segment on the business of podcasting and and um, and where it is right now. And a bunch of the experts were on there talking about how you know we're in a slump right now because of the glut of content and because of the ways that the acquisitions have happened and because of the, you know, the economy and inflation and all those kinds of things. But they, they, they expect it, the, the expectation, you know, the sort of, I guess the, you know, the, the glasses half full sort of story was they expect in 24 
for that to start to clear out a little bit and that podcasting will go through a bit of more of a, you know, return back to a growth cycle rather than sort of the decline that it has seen over the last, you know, 12 or 15 months. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just the excess of some of these larger shows and some of these buy-ups. But I, I always saw that podcasting and continue to see like, you know, more consumers, just a little bit more than the year before listening, a little bit more and a little bit more. But you're right. Yeah. There's a there's a lot to listen to. And then I think people just get into their habits. Of, habits. These are the three yeah. that I listen to. I'm not, it's, it's very hard to, it's very hard to break through with a new podcast now. Like yes. what the Kelsey's did with their new Heights podcast is phenomenal because they just came out of nowhere. Of course they had a lot of, a couple of big promotion machines behind them. Well, to, and, and to your point, to your point that you always make, it's it's easier to build an audience when you already have an audience, right? I mean, you know, so they, those two had an audience of some level, right? Yep. And combining themselves and it was, you know, they, they basically quote unquote double their audience overnight. In other words, they're fans of both of them. And then of course the Taylor Swift thing certainly helped, but, but that really, I think got them to, you know, got them to, uh, 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 a play of a, a viable place, a minimum viable audience, if you will, right away. Well, that's a really <laughs> good point for people thinking about in 2024, launching a podcast. And if you do not have an audience built, uh, it's going to, you better have a lot of marketing distribution partnership plans in place to make sure you get in front of people. Uh, the much better way to do it would be to build a, a newsletter audience of some kind over build that for a couple of years and then diversify into a podcast kicker. That's yeah. the much easier way to do it. Just coming out of nowhere and launching the podcast, unless you have that audience really, really tough to do. And yeah, exactly. we've seen a lot of podcasts that haven't gone anywhere. Like, Oh, what's happening? Whatever. It's like, well, you, you're all yeah. by yourself out here. Yeah. <laughs> I right. know you say, I know you're distributed <laughs> on Apple and you're distributed on Spotify, right. but, but they're not serving you up to listeners. That's you have right. to get them to your program. So. Hmm. 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 Things that make you go hmm. <laughs> when you're part of that podcast go, network. Things that make you go hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yes. we're giving some thought to that anyway. Yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Enough about that. Um, do you want to cover this NIL thing real quick with the NCAA? No, or do I you... think that we've we've covered uh most everything. And you know, the only thing I would say about it, we'll put it in the show notes is fantastic. It, we it, will put yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. It's just interesting what it's out there. Uh, the NCAA is looking more at uh, the colleges taking over a lot of these NIL yeah. rights for there, and it make it looks almost like an employee relationship. Yeah, it's it's this is not by it's just it's interesting to know how this is happening. If you're seeing what's going to happen in this, basically the NCAA is saying that colleges can pay their athletes. That, yes. So it's that's that's the bottom line, which is a. Yeah turning it into junior professional sports. So and we, but you're already seeing it with the transfer portal. Of course. You're, the transfer I mean, you're portal already is already, seeing, yeah. Because yeah, if you're like McCord for the quarterback for Ohio State, he's like, I don't like I don't want to be under Ryan Day anymore. Yeah. I want to go and I want to play for another team next year. That's okay. exactly right. Didn't know you could do that, but you can. All right. Let's let's get to our quickly to our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we're wearing John DeSantis, Don, John DeSantis. What the hell? John DeSantis. I like John DeSantis's boots. DeSantis, John DeSantis uh, let's start a boots. podcast yeah. called John, John DeSantis's, DeSantis's boots. boots. 
and the I boots talk. Love it. And and it, it's a, a big hat and and no oh, cattle. My gosh, I'm uh, I, <laughs> I'm already there. I like it. <laughs> John DeSantis' boots. You know what our goal should be is to get more followers off of John DeSantis' boots than than the governor. Oh my, that's very Let's funny. See if that that would be if we had if we had uh, you know no Fs to give. That maybe that's what we. Yeah, do. that that is correct. Anyway, so would you like to go first or shall I go first? I, you know, I'll go. I just again. Uh, I'm living through other people because I don't join some of these social platforms and I won't, right. and I still right. haven't joined TikTok. But I was, uh, you know, I was observing other folks and we were around family recently. And all there was this younger person at 18 years old doing mm. all of her shopping on TikTok shopping. Yeah. And I didn't know at the time that that was a thing, but apparently it has come out. And you say, and I wanted to get your take on this thing. But uh wow uh if you you know if you're if you're amazon um there here's here's a here's a competitor that long term i could see tiktok shopping really move and take things over. we've already seen i mean i've seen the ads like google's really pushing their google shopping big time and i think yeah. that's where that's where the next horizon seems to be for for tiktok shopping and um i i wanted to get your take how easy is it? Is this a formidable competitor? Should we start paying attention to this? Do I need to join TikTok just to do the shopping experience? Because I don't no. want to. No, I don't think. I mean, you in particular. No, I don't think so. Because you, you, you have, uh, you know. I mean, look. I think you should try TikTok. You know, I know you've you've said before that you you you're you're afraid that you'll love it and you'll get addicted to it. Um, <clears throat> I think you can probably muster a little more self restraint than that, but I don't I think know you if I can. It. I'll give you an example. Um, so my wife downloaded QS watermelon. It's a game where, you know, you, you have a, yeah. you have, you've seen it like you, yes, two of the, two of the, uh, the fruits come together. They make one fruit and you got to build this watermelon. That's right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, let me try it. Well, six hours later, I'm still trying to play this thing. And okay. I totally got to Well, I, all right. Fair and enough. Then, and I, I mean, and then, and then now I now I have deleted it from my phone. It will I will never come back and play it again because I can't handle QS watermelon. Fair enough. That's Fair where enough. I'm at. I don't think if I can't handle the watermelon, how am I going to handle the, the TikTok? There, that's that should be your new. That's the title of your new book. <laughs> I can't handle the watermelon. I'm going to put it in my bio. Yeah, I can't, I can't handle, handle the watermelon. The, how am I going to handle it? If you, if, you can, if you can handle the watermelon, you can the handle the TikTok. The TikTok. You can dodge a wrench. You can dodge. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, um, yes. No, I have experienced it. I have. Uh, it's it's fascinating. It's it's good. It's um, you know, I, now I have also been one of those people to do total impulse buys on Instagram and Facebook. You know, like I'll see some ad for a cool shirt or a hat or something like that. And I, I'm, I'm a total sucker for some of those impulse buys. Um, but, uh, I've tried it out and it's, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. It's, it's, if I were marketing, you know, consumer, basically it's mostly consumer packaged goods, obviously, but yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a threat. It's a real thing. You can know? you, can, can I be, well, let's say I'm a creator on the platform and I, can they, click on something like click on my the thing that I'm talking about or I'm wearing the shirt and buy that or these are just ads that are running into is it a separate thing like I'm, uh 
is it within the content i have i don't know the capabilities of it what i have seen is mostly the latter right where it's mostly just an ad for something and then there's a link kind of a link in bio directly yeah you can buy it directly through tiktok and and you know literally do the thing so yes okay Interesting. All right. Yeah. Uh, what is, What is your uh, so? Uh, I very quickly here. Basically, I you know um, uh, I've written a little bit about this, but every year, Group M, Zenith, uh, Magna, uh, which are all media either research firms or media agencies, media buying agencies to be clear, they all do their predictions about the ad growth, and they sort of review the the year that was. And so, um, much to I guess surprise. It was basically a good growth year for paid media, a good growth year for paid advertising. And most of them are predicting a pretty rosy year. Now, a lot of this is not, this is outside of the political advertising. So what they do is they say, you know, look, next year's going to be gangbusters because politics. Um, But this is outside of politics. And they were saying, you know, some of them are a little more modest in their predictions. And some of them are a little more, you know, 7.2% versus 5%. Basically, that's reasonable growth, reasonable growth in in, in any of the, the paid media. What was interesting was that they all talked about the exponential growth of retail media networks. And it's one of those things where we spend so much of our time thinking about B2B in some cases, we don't really pay attention to this, but retail media networks have become the the fastest growing way to basically a channel for you to put your paid advertising against. If you don't know what paid uh, retail media networks are, the easiest and most you know prominent example of this is Amazon, right? Where you can go buy search ads on Amazon, or you can go buy, um, they have whole programs where you can buy advertising, banner advertising, you can buy search ads, you can buy elements to put content in so that the shopping experience is, is more robust and rich media and all this kind of thing. And, and basically, it's just a paid media thing across their network. Walmart has it. Target has it. Um, there are, you know, Nordstrom has it. It's not just online. Mostly what we're talking about here is on e-commerce channels, eBay, Alibaba, Best Buy, Costco, Instacart. They all have these abilities to buy these advertising. Um, but there are also in-store things happening as well. CVS has them in-store where there's big monitors and kiosks where you can see ads for things. And Nordstrom has this and they're in store. And, and so all of this is really starting to come together. And it's in a fascinating thing because it's not just banner ads and it's not just sort of low funnel. Like if you like this, you should buy that, you know, sort of filling your shopping cart sort of thing. It starts to become much more of a brand exercise for many. We're starting to see a real trend of brand advertising in these retail med- media networks. And I think it's in large part due to, if you think about brand advertising, the reason we do it, the reason we buy a full page ad in Wall Street Journal or the New York Times is because we get a bit of a brand halo, right? You know, ooh, you had a full page ad in the New York Times. Ooh, you had a full page ad in Wall Street Journal. You get a bit of a brand halo around the trust of that brand. And I think the same thing is starting to happen now, like on Amazon. Like if I go advertise my book on Amazon, I'm getting a bit of, of brand and trust halo around the fact that it's on Amazon. And here's my sort of my commentary or sort of my, you know, sort of point to all of this, which is, yes, this is a huge thing. If you're in retail or if you're in consumer packaged goods and you need to think about this, you should be really thinking about this for your 24 budgets. But my provocation, if you will, out to our audience and out to the world is where's the B2B version of this? 
right? Where, where, you know, you have, of course, things like netline and sort of content syndication and things and blah, blah, blah. Fine. Those are all great. But why isn't Salesforce? Why isn't Adobe? Why isn't Microsoft? Where is the retail media network for B2B? Because I, I can just see a huge opportunity there. If I'm marketing a consulting service or a generator or whatever, I might want to put my paid media on Salesforce Plus or on an Adobe content network or on something, you know, and we can see examples of this. Aero Electronics, which you and I have covered extensively, bought all these publications. Now, they all operate sort of independently, et cetera, et cetera, but it's very, they could very easily conjoin a lot of those things into sort of more of a B2B retail media network and sell those things across network if they're not already doing that and really create something very, very interesting in the B2B space. So I just think it's a fascinating trend for, for next year. I think it's interesting. I don't. I think it's just really difficult to do because the the buyers and the influencers that are watching have such different needs across the yeah. different channels. That's the that's why B two B media is like, oh, okay, well, I've got this B two B media channel, and if we're just going out to these five thousand people that they specify these types of products or manu you know manufacturer engineering or whatever. So I mean, that's why. You, that's why you never you never see some of these channels, um, you know, grow and work with each other from a sales capacity like you're talking about because the target audience is so incredibly different. Yeah. So that yeah. it's you'd have to have it on some wider. You could do it on maybe technology or something like that. Well, I just think of you know I think of uh, you know so most of those companies, the Microsofts, the Salesforce, the HubSpots of the world, they all have partner networks, right? They all have sort of you know partner platforms where you can go on and you can, Hey, I can buy a solution that fits right with HubSpot. Right. I, I if I was a B2B marketer, I might want to put my ad on there, even if I didn't have an integration with one of those platforms. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and they could m think about monetizing those platforms in a different kind of way. It's just, that's my only point. No, I, I, I totally see it. There's again, we could get into a whole bunch of issues. The other, yeah. It would be interesting to see if we, if you talk to a CMO, how difficult it would be to accept money in that capacity. I totally get it. I totally get yeah. it. It's like, oh my God, how do we, how do we account for this type of thing? Well, I agree with you. I think there's an opportunity there. And by the we way, talked about new revenue from that, so you build an audience and drive revenue from that yep. standpoint. Sometimes it's more. They think it's more of a bother. That agreed. Totally agreed. Yeah. That was always the problem in the B2C world, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. we used to hear this from Julie, uh, Julie Fleischer, right? At Kraft, when she was doing Food and Family magazine, that was a paid subscription to that print magazine. It was like, well, how does that, you know, the CFO would be like, you know, where does that money go? It's like, yeah, exactly. I don't know, it just kind of goes. It, there's it's like kind our, of a, we don't, they don't know how to deal with it. Like, we're right? not a media company. And you're like, right. oh, yes, you are actually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. You just don't know it. You just, right. that's. What do you got going on this week? Uh, I am working, work, 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 work. Everybody's filling in this week because they want to take the next two weeks off. So I am just slammed busy with with client work. How about you? I'm um, looking forward to seeing the Browns win on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, we got a big game coming up. Philadelphia. We have to. We have to you like you already, and I I know you're trying to chase the Eagles, your Cowboys, but yeah. you, you probably are going to make the playoffs. Oh yeah, uh, we are. It is still very much in doubt, and we need a win at home against Jacksonville with my new favorite quarterback, Mr. Joe Flacco. 
There so, it is. He's well, playing well. He's playing well. He played well. The yeah. defense sort of, you know. Yeah, they fell whatever. apart, but yeah. It's just, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a regular Brown season. It's a, you're hot and you're cold. You're yeah, bad and you're That's exactly what's going on. But I'll be there. I'll, I will be there rooting for them. So All right. So, yay, well, sports fantastic. team. Yay, sports ball. Yay, okay. sports ball. <laughs> Thank all of you for putting up with our nonsense for yet another hour. We really, really appreciate it. And we will see you again next week. And until we see you again next week, just remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. 